Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that today's guest is Lori. i love chatting with her Lori has been reading tarot cards for over 30 years, helping her clients around the world discover their purpose and reach their potential while facing challenges of clarity and courage. Her motto is woo-woo without the cuckoo, and her mission is to enlighten, inspire, and empower with tarot. We go into so many awesome things in this interview from common misconceptions about tarot and then we go into her journey how she started tapping into her intuition and so much more so excited for you guys to hear this episode let's get started so thank you so much Lori, for joining me today i'm really looking forward to getting to know you love to start tell me about your 20s feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with let's start there 
All right. So I actually started reading tarot in my actually late teens into early twenties, but started really doing it with like intention in my twenties. So that's how long, and I'm 51 now. So that's how long my relationship is with tarot and twenties were, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of shit show stuff, a lot of fun though. I went to Australia on my own for a year when I was 21, took a year off university to do it. I moved to Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan with an Air Force pilot when I was 24. Like I had some stuff happen in my 20s and ended up working in a strip bar in Australia as a waitress, fully clothed because I looked like a librarian when I was there and ran out of money. Yeah, I've had some adventures along the way, but it's, it's funny because I, in readings, I often say, you know, remember in your 20s when like you go through this stuff and you look back from even three years earlier and you're like, oh my God, I was such a dumbass when I was like 21 and now I'm 26 and I know so much more. And then think about like how that is when you're like 30 and then looking back at like 25 or 40, looking back at 35, like it's amazing these milestones of growth that you go through that you don't really even see when you're in it. But at the time, it's just fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But lots of lessons and lots of stories. <laughs> well. And what inspired you to go into like so much travel in your 20s? I just really wanted to actually the the catalyst for my Australia trip was I had been dating this guy who broke up with me and he actually started dating a friend of mine and it was messy. And she said something really snarky in a moment of like, well, about how I was like sheltered. And hadn't really done much. And then in that moment, I was like, I'm going to go travel and I'm going to show them. So I decided to go to Australia. That was actually the impetus for the trip mm-hmm. and ended up going to like Cook Islands. You could, I got the student ticket through university where you could go to either Fiji or the Cook Islands on the way home for like a week. And I chose the Cook Islands and that's where I ended up getting married years later when I was 30, we went back to the Cook Islands and got married. So that was pretty cool. And yeah, just, I just, I enjoyed traveling and and I enjoy, I just kind of did it to spite someone basically and to show them at the beginning. And then, and then it was wonderful because it was like, you know, one of those moments where you really challenge yourself to step out of your comfort zone and then realize, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And that Australia trip, was that all by yourself? Well, interestingly enough, it, it, I set out on my own and when I was at the airport (laughs) leaving, Canada to go to Australia. I met this woman who I ended up doing the entire trip with. Mm -hmm. And although we did sort of split up for one little bit where I sort of veered off with some other friends that we'd made, but it was in, and we're still best friends to this day. So it was pretty cool that we, we had both set up, set out to go independently and ended up uh, going together. And it's really interesting because we're best friends. We've never lived in the same city, which I think helps. And we're complete opposites. Like I had my backpack packed in advance and I used to practice walking around the the house in it and like had a, my, I had highlighted my lonely planet book and I had like, I was prepared and she bought her backpack on the way to the airport and she stole the blanket from the plane. And that's what she used as a sleeping bag. Like (laughs) so opposite, but we balanced each other out really well. And how do you think you continue to keep that relationship, even though you guys are in two different cities? I think that's what makes it work. I don't know that we would have stayed friends, to be honest, if we were, because we had this really intense experience when we were traveling, like together constantly. And then, you know, 
were apart, but still obviously in contact. And it's one of those friends where you cannot talk for, you know, three weeks. And then all of a sudden you pick up and it's like, nothing has passed. I have a couple of Mm -hmm. friends like that from sort of my teens and twenties. And I think if we, I don't know, I think if we'd, if we had been in the same city and been with each other all the time, I don't know if it would have worked. I think it was sort of in that magic bubble of traveling and backpacking and being in this new place and you're, and you don't have the established dynamics with your family and other friends and that kind of thing to interfere. It can just be this beautiful thing on its own. And it, it was better. It, it We could keep it as this beautiful thing on its own when it was sort of from a distance. Mm. Yeah. So we'd obviously get together. Like, it's not like I haven't seen her in person. I see her in person fairly often, but just, you know, on the phone or text or email or whatever Mm -hmm. does it. And what are some things you learned from that trip that you weren't expecting to learn from it? Oh my God, Sophia, where to begin? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly just learned it. Like, so for example, I landed in Australia, never having like done much of anything on my own. It was my second time on a plane alone. Like my first time I was like 10 going to see my grandma and grandpa and like had a stewardess handing, holding my hand the entire time pretty much, you know? And so just even that plane ride and doing the connections and everything where it's just the responsibility is all on you. There's no mom or dad, you know, to fall back on was huge. And just managing my own money where it's all on me, which is why I ran out and ended up having to work at this scuzzy dive bar (laughs) in this like red light district of Sydney. And I had never even seen like, I didn't know what porn was, right? Like I was very naive when I went. And by the end, I would call my mom and just be like, oh, I made friends, this girl, you know, yeah, she's a she's a stripper and her boyfriend is, you know, whatever. I don't know if he's her pimp. And my mom was just like, Oh my God, let us send you money and come home. But it wasn't, it was, it was like, it didn't make me jaded. It just made me more worldly, you know? And I just, and, and more open because I, I, I'm from Calgary and it was a pretty insular small town kind of vibe then. Uh, it wasn't very diverse at all. And so just being around different kind of people and different kind of situations and and their own sort of circumstances and stories. It was really good because it forced me to learn to adapt to be with other people, you know, who I didn't know or didn't wouldn't necessarily have a lot in common with normally. And just yeah, it just made me more curious and more accepting of of people in situations and just kind of up for anything. Like it was pretty cool. Another thing is by the end of it, because we, we stayed in this like really scuzzy sort of a apartment thing. Like it was an apartment hostel thing. And there were like cockroaches everywhere. And I was so like mortified of bugs. And by the end of it, I was like wishing them with the heel of my palm. I'd just be like, Oh, whatever. Bah. I came back. I'm still now I'm once again, like hate bugs and don't want to go near them. But for a while there, I was very like, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what was it about tarot that drew you in? Like, how did you learn about tarot? Yeah, so I've always been interested in sort of the metaphysical, you know, but I was growing up in like small town Calgary in the 80s and 90s. There was no internet and there was like one kind of woo-woo place where you'd go and get like where you could buy things like tarot cards or crystals. And there was this one lady, she's a witch in Calgary named Erica, who everyone went to, like my dentist went to her, my mom, my friends, my teachers, like everyone knew about Erica. And I learned about her in, I think it was my first year of university. Yeah, it was, I was, I was pretty young. And I just 
I'd always been interested in that kind of stuff, like in movies and TV shows. And when I went to her, she's a full on witch. Like she has this crazy peroxided blonde hair going in every direction, like goth makeup and a million rings and and, you know, everything's pierced and everything. And she's like four foot 11. She's, but this beautiful, bright, joyful personality, like she wasn't scary at all. And I was just drawn to her. We just clicked really right off the bat. And I brought her so much business because I would tell everyone about her and she's really good. And I ended up interviewing her for a paper I did in university, this senior communications thesis on feminism and witchcraft throughout the ages. And since she's a modern witch, I interviewed her for the for part of my paper and I got a really good mark on it. But because of that, we spent some time together outside of just getting readings. And she ended up I mentoring me on the cards. I asked her if we could just to get together and talk about the cards. So she, and I still have my little handwritten note in the margin of the book that comes with the cards. And I don't know, it was, it's like love at first sight, you know, like palm reading, crystal stuff, mediumship. It's interesting to me, but tarot, that's my jam. Like it just, we just fit together. And did she give you your own personal reading? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We used to get readings from her all the time. And she used a combination. I mean, she had like a broom and a crystal ball in her space. Like she had, it was all like red velvet wallpaper. Like it was pretty cool. And she does readings that are sort of part, just kind of channeling and talking to you, telling you stuff. She, she told me once it was almost like little different little film strips running in her mind and she would just have to pick certain ones. So you'd kind of have to guide her because she'd start talking about like something you didn't care about. Oh, you know, you're going to like, like something about gardening. I was like, I'm, who cares about the gardening? What about this guy? You know? And she does uh, palmistry and the cards. And so, yeah, her readings, my readings focus like car, the cards are sort of my hammer. Like they're my main tool. Um, I can use the other tools but they're kind of like more like the obscure screwdriver that you use like twice a year, you know, whereas the hammer you can, it's like my all purpose. Um, and she had like two or three like main tools that she would use. Mm-hmm. And what's something you think we don't realize about the cards? Okay. So first of all, there's nothing scary about these cards. Okay. They are pieces of paper with pictures on them. Like there's no magic in them. The, the secret to learning how to read tarot is to know there's no secret, you know, like here, I'm holding up the cards now, like each card has its own story to tell. And you look at these stories together in a spread, which is sort of the pattern the cards are laid out in, or you could just pick one card. And it's like life coaching yourself. It's like having a conversation with your soul. And the cards are just a tool to help you access that. But they're really just pictures on paper. You know, there's nothing evil or magical. Tarot's not scary. I mean, it's about intention. If someone sets out to dig into some like yucky energy using cards, and they have a nefarious intentions, the cards can, you know, work with you in that direction too. But that's just kind of like anything. I could pick up a hammer and decide to go smash a windshield or build a build a shelf. Yeah. You know, I'm still using the hammer. It's it's the intention of how I'm using it that makes the difference. Hmm. Have you ever picked up on any of that stuff? Like any of that negative stuff? Do you share that or do you tend to stay away from it? Well, I always my intention with tarot is always to inspire, enlighten, and empower. Always. I don't shy away from the the less fun cards. 
I always say there are no bad cards, but there's some cards that are a lot less fun and a lot less sexy than some of the <laughs> other cards. And when those come up, I don't shy away from it. And I, and I do not filter myself at all. But I set the intention right off the bat. I've, I have a little spielio I say right at the beginning where I just talk about this is about inspiring, empowering and enlightening you and giving you a peek behind the curtain to see what's going on energetically from now to six to nine months out. And what you choose to do with it is up to you because you have free will. You know, this isn't fortune telling predictive stuff. I'm not going to be like, his name's Bob. He'll be at the Arby's on a Tuesday. Like that's goofy. It's more about, and then because if I'm just, you know, throwing out predictions at you, then it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy for you. And you abdicate responsibility of your life to some random person with tarot cards instead of empowering yourself to make the best decisions for you. So when the challenging stuff comes up, it's not just this sucks. See you later. Where's my money? You know, it's more like, okay, this sucks. Here's a different way to look at it. Here's a different way. Here's a way to reframe it. Or here's a way to help you maybe transition through it a little quicker and a little easier, you know, to have this kind of mindset shift, that kind of thing. A lot of people say it's almost like life coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had like a reading where maybe they felt like you were really off on your predictions or they were kind of like disagreeing with it or they think it was like <laughs> a different Oh yeah, way? I have. Yeah. yeah, I have people and this is where my readings really went sort of to the next level because I've been reading for over 30 years. And when I stopped caring what people thought, or if I was like doing it, you know, quote unquote, right, that's when they took off and just became so much better because I started like everyone else reading the little book that says this, what do you think that is? And I, and you know, when you look for validation from the person you're reading that you're doing it right or that it's like hitting with them, then it becomes about you. You're putting the focus on yourself and your ego of wanting to to do it right. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I then put the focus on you and say, here's my message for you and you do what you want with it, but the message is the message. Then it becomes about you, which is where the focus Mm -hmm. needs to be. And I've had people resist the message before for sure, but I get like my goosies, I call it and my body sensations and just like knowings and I always tell people, if you're not happy with your reading, don't pay me. Like I'm, I'm not taking money from someone who isn't satisfied. And I've never had, I've never had anyone not want to pay. Like they have begrudgingly taken what I've had to say, not wanting to necessarily hear it, but they need to hear it, Mm. you know? So Mm. I can tell when there's like a wall up sort of an energetic wall and there, it's almost like energetically they're sitting there with their hands crossed in front of them, like, "Mm -mm," you know, but sort of energetically closed off and I have to work for it a little bit more. Sometimes it's a bit tougher at the beginning, but by the end, I usually have people who are like, have done a 180 and they're right on board and like, oh my God, I get it. Like, yes, it's that, it's that, you just totally nailed it. But every so often I get people with just kind of funky energy and I just kind of think like, why are you here? Because I feel like you are not enjoying this, but I don't care because my job isn't to make you enjoy it. My job is to give you the the messages that you came to get, that you Mm -hmm. just might not want them, but you need them. Yeah. And how are you able to get to that place of like, you need to hear this message. You may not want to, but you need to hear this message. Were you always at that place or how were you able to get there? Yeah, no, it's the confidence that comes with experience, right? Because I would be, and it was, again, it's that shift from focusing on yourself and your ego and being seen as like someone who knows what they're doing versus putting the focus on you as the person I'm reading. Like, it's about you. This is why we're here. It's about you. It's not about me. And when I stopped caring what people thought in tarot readings and just kind of in life in general, which only seems to happen as you age, I wish I had this confidence and clarity 
and self-awareness when I was like 20, but I definitely did not. That's when the shift happens. And I'll say to people straight up, I know you don't want to hear this. Like, I know this isn't what you're, what you're wanting to hear, but this, this is a message. This is what you're needing to hear. And it's funny because I've often given people, I, all my readings are online right now, doing them on Zoom. And when I send the recording, I usually send a little thing saying like, you know, thank you for sharing your energy with me. If you're compelled to like write a review or a shout out on social media, I would really appreciate it. You know, thanks so much, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes I'll send recordings and think, I don't know if I want to send this message because I feel like I could get a really crappy review because this person did not enjoy it, but whatever. I just send it out. And I've had on a number of occasions, reviews left or, or really effusive, positive shout outs on social media and stuff from people I thought hated their reading. Mm -hmm. And I'm always shocked. I always kind of want to reach out and be like, really? But I think it's just, there was maybe fear, right? Or just resistance to the message or just fear about tarot in general, because all the misconceptions out there, they thought I was going to say like, you know, say goodbye to grandma or something horrible like that, which is not what I do. So it's interesting again, that, and that's me sort of dipping in my ego again. Right. So mm -hmm. I just have to watch that and be like, no, this is, it's what it is. You do what you want with that. And if someone energetically has their walls up, what do you yeah. do to bring those walls down? I just plow ahead, just keep going through it. I mean, I don't mention it, but I may be like, amp it up a little bit and I can feel like I, <laughs> I always <laughs> I always show people I'm so it's not very professional, but whatever, when I'm doing like parties and stuff where it's a lot of people and, and, or it's a group and one person might be a little harder to work on by, or, or if it's a one-on-one -on -one and by the end, I'll be like lifting my arm, like, look, see, see. And I've got like full sweat marks. Like I've just been sitting for an hour, but I am in a full sweat and my family calls it the tarot sweats. They come into my reading room and they're like, tarot sweats, yikes, because it's just all this energy. So sometimes it just, it's like running up a hill rather than running straight flat, you know? So I just, I'm working harder for it. And, and I might try to, you know, when I'm conveying the message, just make sure that it's sort of, even if it's a heavy message to try and keep it like a lighter tone or, or what helps a lot is when I bring examples from my own life it's kind of like a time like blah, 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 when this happened. And then they're like, oh, okay. When I communicate a, a bit of vulnerability on my part, especially when it's news they might not want to hear about tough times ahead or emotional, you know, stress, I'll, I'll give an example from my own life that kind of just puts them on, at ease a little bit more. Hmm. Is there anything you're not able to tell through the cards or are you able to pick up on everything in their life through the cards? Well, with my spread, it's a 12 card spread that looks like a clock. So a card in each number position, and then a few cards in the middle. And then we pull cards from the top and bottom of the deck. And then we ask questions. That's sort of what a full hour long reading looks like in parties. We just do the full spread. And that spread, I always say, as we go reading the cards across from one another in pairs, as we go around the circle, it tells the story of you. So it sort of touches on every area of your life. It used to be very siloed in these verticals of like, this is health and this is love and this is career and this is that. But now it's more, it's like a tapestry because our lives are not siloed, right? Like the, the work that we need to do on ourselves so that we thrive in career is also going to impact relationship and health and all the other areas, right? So I always tell people one thing that I'm not good with is, and I don't believe in, to be honest, is uh, timing. Like I'll never give, I always say the readings are sort of now to six to nine months out. So what we're talking about isn't necessarily three years in the past or three years in the future. It tends to be a little bit more like within the year. 
but I'm not going to say, you know, you're going to meet the love of your life by August 1st. Like there's big love coming. It's by August 1st, because then the last day of July, you're like trolling the streets looking, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Right. It becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So timing, I'm not great. And I always say too, it's not like I'm going to say, you know, you need to become a dental hygienist. Like that again is sort of predictive fortune telling stuff. But if people talk about, you know what, I'm, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know about going to do dental hygiene, or am I going to go and, you know, be a paralegal and I'll pull cards for both and just sort of be, there's usually information in those cards to give you a sense of what the energy is around each thing. So in that sense, the, and I don't give names, like, it's not going to be like his name starts with a P and it's, that's not me. Yeah. Have you always had like the strong intuition and being able to pick up on all these energies or was this something that developed over time for you? It definitely strengthened over time. I think that we, we all have it. It's just the volume is turned up in some people more than others. And a lot of it is openness to it, right? Like a lot of people are very like super intuitive and they want nothing to do with it. (laughs) That's when you can sort of get into trouble too, because the more you deny it, the more it sort of like barges in. But I definitely, what I realize now that what I used to think was just a strong imagination because I'm a writer too. So I have a creative mind. And what I used to think was just my imagination. I'd meet someone and just start thinking all these kind of weird, random stuff about them. I realized now was like in intuitive stuff. So it's not like I'll meet someone and immediately be like, oh, you're going to be with someone like this. And oh, this is a good job for you or anything like that. But if I spend some time with someone and we're just sort of like chatting, I'll start to Although sometimes it is just kind of like a lightning bolt of just like this, almost like a download, especially when it's negative stuff like, oh, this person, I don't like that mojo. That is, that is no bueno. I'm not going near that person. I definitely get strong vibes that way. But yeah, sometimes things will just pick up with thing on things through conversation. And it's obviously through a reading too, because the cards have certain meanings and stories, but I also like freestyle, you know, during a reading or channeling is what it is really, where I just get these visuals or knowings or um, body sensations. And I just don't, I don't filter myself. I just say whatever's there. And sometimes it's really weird. Like, it's like, it's like you're doing this and you're kind of like this. And, And to me, it'll be the most random, strange thing, but I'll tell the person and the person will say, oh yeah, that tracks. I totally get what you mean. And I'm going, really? Really? Okay. (laughs) And Does it ever feel like a lot when you're like picking up everyone's energy or how do you manage your own energy when you're picking up everyone else's as well? Yeah, it's interesting because I can, I think it's just through experience. I used to do this, these events, like huge events. And one in particular, every November, I would go to this small town in Northern Ontario and it was this girlfriend's getaway weekend and like 1200 women would just descend on this little town and go crazy for the weekend. And I'd be doing readings from literally eight in the morning until two in the morning without like with like a break at four o'clock to go and pee. There'd be a lineup because people started to like know that I would be there. And so it was a lot of like, it was a real intensive. And because of that, because I just have to like slip into it and slip into it and then get that one gone and slip into the next one, get that one gone. And I'm real. I've been told by different um, energy workers and I, and I just kind of know it in myself because you don't know what you don't know. Like, this is just how it is for me, but I can literally be, you know, having dinner with my family 
and talking about whatever, and then just look at the clock and go, Oh, Oh my God, I have a reading in two minutes and go run upstairs, put in my earbuds and we're in, I don't have to do like a sitting and setting intentions and getting in a zone or anything. I used to feel like I needed to do that before, but I think it was more just an expectation I put on myself. Cause I thought that's what you had to do, but I I'm very good at just getting in and getting out. And like, I can stop, drop and tarot anytime. And in terms of the energy of others, I'm very good at doing like energetic boundaries. I wash my hands after every reading, like I'm going into open heart surgery and, and I just kind of, it just, it just kind of turns off and on. It's just how I've always done it. So I don't really, I don't, I didn't really notice it as a thing. Although when I do, and when I do a ton of readings, rather than getting super drained, I can get really jazzed and hyped and buzzy. So after doing the the event up north where I would be 8 a.m. to 2 a.m., I'd be sitting there for an hour, just like bug eyed, just like, oh my God, like just vibrating because I was so amped up, not tired at all. The opposite. Like I felt like I could run a marathon. But then the next day, once I was done my readings, if I didn't have to do them again, because if I had to do them again, I'd be exhausted, but I'd get in the zone and then I'd just go, 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 go. But then when I was done, I would be a disaster. <laughs> I'd be like my throat, my voice would be gone. My throat would be swollen. I'd be like in tears from just like, oh my God, I'm just so spent. So I can get a little bit tired at the end of like huge things. But if I, like I had a, I actually had a corporate event before our, our talk today at 9.30 this morning. And it was an hour and a half of just talking nonstop, like just straight going from person to person to person to person. So a ton of mini readings. And I got off it and literally just like fell face first on my bed. Like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like this, I'm exhausted. And I still have, I'm doing this podcast thing and I have readings after this. And oh my God, oh my God. But then as soon as we sit down to talk, I'm like, ah, like I'm super buzzy and jazzed about it. Mm-hmm. And for someone who wants to go through that process of strengthening their intuition, what advice would you give them? I think, I mean, if it's using cards of some sort, the key is to just pull a card every day, you know, just read for friends, read for yourself, just read, read, read. And even a really good exercise I tell people to do in my workshops is to just pull a card in the morning, look at it, read about it in the little book, see what the, you know, the book says about it and then note what you think about it. You know, does it make you feel happy or sad? Like what kind of emotions or feelings does it elicit to look at this card and jot them down? Maybe if you have a journal or something and then go live your life, go do your thing. And then at the end of the day, you'd pick up that card again and just kind of reflect back on your day. Oh, where did this message show up in my day? Or where was this relevant, you know, or was it not, or did it actually change? Did did the meaning behind it kind of shift the more that you sort of thought about it through the day, just getting to know the cards one at a time like that is really great. But overall intuition, I think the best thing you can do is some sort of mindfulness, you know, straight up meditating. And it doesn't have to be like an hour and a half on a cushion, whatever. It can be sitting in your closet in the dark for three minutes with the timer on your phone, just listening to yourself breathe, you know, mm-hmm. or another thing I do every morning, I have pen and paper by my bed, just a little five by seven notebook from dollar store, nothing fancy. And before I even open my eyes, or if I have to wake up with an alarm that day, and I like, shut the alarm off, I just plop down and just start writing. I just like, barf my brain onto the page for three pages. I have to go three pages minimum. And the first half of the page might just be, I have to pee. I have to pee. Oh, the dog needs to go. Oh, I forgot to get the thing at the store, but like whatever. It's just a stream of consciousness. It's called writing wild or morning pages. And I find that really helpful because you're still sort of in that, you know, you might be in the middle of a dream when you wake up and you just dump that onto the page, but you're not allowed to censor yourself or worry about handwriting or spelling or anything that and your hand's not allowed to stop moving until you reach the end and that's a great way to sort of bypass your conscious mind and and hook into your intuition a little bit more 
little things like that can be really good. Yeah. And do you do readings on yourself or do you have someone else do a reading on you? Um, I don't really get tarot readings done by other people on me because also, you know, you get a dialogue going with your deck over time. And a lot of my interpretations of the cards are completely different from the sort of tarot 101. They've evolved. Some of them have stayed pretty true, but some of them are, are pretty different. And so it, when I get readings from other people, when I'm doing workshops and, and people are practicing on me, I love that. But when it's like, a, a if it's a tarot reader, I just find myself kind of butting in a little bit, not butting in verbally, but in my mind, just thinking like, oh, that's that. Oh, that's that. And sort of reading it from my perspective. But I do have people I see for readings, like psychic readings that they just don't use the cards. And I do readings on myself every so often. I'll pull some cards on myself, but I do so many readings every day that it's kind of like the last thing I want to do is pull more cards at the end of the day. I just want to go like watch the Netflix and talk to my kids or something. <laughs> and what is something that most people don't know about you? I, that's a great question because I'm pretty unfiltered. Like I don't really back on stuff. I get, I mean, I, I keep things about my like family kind of offline. I don't, I don't live my life online that way at all. So that's definitely something that people like, they don't know too much about my family life unless they know me personally. But honestly, like my tagline is woo woo without the cuckoo. And I'm all about bringing tarot to the masses and, and showing you how this ancient tool can, is very applicable to modern life. And I use stories from my past to kind of help illustrate it as well. So I kind of, I don't, I don't know. I've gotten to an age where I don't give a crap what people think, or I'm not trying to like please anyone or fulfill anyone else's agenda. I'm doing my own thing. So yeah, I don't know. Pretty open book. I think when it comes to me personally. Yeah. Is there anything specifically that you do when you notice someone's not so into tarot or has a specific idea about it? Is there anything specifically you do to maybe show them a like different change side? their mind? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if someone is very, you know, that's the devil's work or whatever, and they're super religious, then I just let them, you know, go live your life, be with God, God bless, you know, that's fine. Like everyone's entitled to their opinions and stuff. But if someone show, if someone is just kind of says, oh yeah, I don't really believe in that. That's cool. Do you mm -hmm. want to pull a card? Do you want, do you want me to pull a card for you? And then they're usually like, okay, maybe. What I really love is when I'm at events and you get some like old white dude who just sort of sits down with his arms crossed in front and he's like, all right, let's see what you got. Like, I think this is some nonsense, you know, or if I'm at special events and stuff like that. And then that just gets me really riled up. I'll be like, all right, let's do it, guy. And and by the end of it, he's just like, oh, my God, tell me. Like, I can win those people over so easily if if there's fear or that's sort of like rooted in religious beliefs, then I just kind of back off because that's, I'm not there to try and sway someone's core beliefs, you know, but if, mm -hmm. if they're just kind of misinformed or like curious, but nervous, I'll just be like, just try it. And when I, and usually what puts people at ease is when I tell them, listen, my tagline and approach to tarot is woo woo without the coup. Like that tells you right off the bat. That's a trademarked phrase that that tells you what I'm about and how I approach it. Yeah. I like your phrase. How'd you come up with that? Or is that I was just, just I was talking <laughs> with a friend years ago and we were just, and it was someone actually I knew in Australia. Uh, we were having dinner one night, like 20 years ago. And we were just talking about tarot stuff. And I said, yeah, it's, you know, but it's like, it's not scary, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's kind of, it's like woo woo, but it's not crazy. It's not cuckoo. And she's like, woo, -woo without the cuckoo. And I thought, oh, yes. Oh my God. How do I trademark that? So yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and what is something you're really excited about right now? Um, you mean with my work? With anything. It could be anything in your life. Actually, well, I don't know if I'm excited so much. My son's going to college, which is kind of like, because <laughs> I remember being in university. So it's just weird when you can remember, like put yourself in that time and remember it so clearly versus like trying to remember yourself in grade two, you mm-hmm. know? So it, it's exciting, but also nauseating. And I'm just like following him around the house, trying to hug him. <laughs> He's like, get off me. <laughs> but as a result, and my daughter's in entering high school at the same time. So it's just like, oh my God, my babies. But as they've become more independent and you know, moving into their own space, not, not necessarily meeting me as much my, as my business has grown, it's been this really nice sort of complimentary growth. And I'm in the midst right now of designing a deck with an illustrator in Denmark. It's really talented. So I'm so excited. It's the woo without the cuckoo deck. And it's going to be sort of my interpretation of the card. So it's not going to look like the standard rider weight tarot deck that everyone knows. And I'm writing a couple of books that I've sort of been working on, like dipping my toe in writing here and there, but I'm now I actually have the time to dedicate to finishing those and I'm putting together all, yeah, all this other little, little projects with the business, which is cool. Cause on like on Instagram, I'm just tarot.lori on Instagram. And that's where I am. Most of the time I do things like full moon fire rituals, every full moon, just on an Instagram live that anyone can join and people join in from like Kenya and Panama and Australia, like all over the place. And so the, the community that's being built, I'm really excited Mm. about that. Mm. And what's something that you're currently learning right now? I am learning how to have difficult conversations. It's something I've never been good at. I was sort of like a chronic people pleaser and confrontation avoider for years. And through this growth actually that I've had with my business and working with this designer and things like that, I'm having opportunities to flex that muscle. And just even like with family members and stuff, having to have conversations that I would have just avoided before, like la 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 la. And now, and there's the stupidest things, like it ends up being about nothing, just misunderstandings or whatever. But before I would have just been head in the sand and just trying to pretend it didn't happen, but instead just like, oh, hey, I wanted to talk about that, blah, blah, blah. And then it gets cleared up with one sentence and you go, oh. Yeah, that wasn't so bad. So yeah, eternal student when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. Is there anything that's made those conversations easier for you or just reminding yourself about how it always ends up <laughs> easier than you think? I mean, basically no one's going to die, right? Someone might be pissed off, yeah. but, and, and it's come again with that sort of age of like, not caring what people like, not caring what people think about me and what I do and who I am. But the idea of like disappointing someone that might come as a result of a difficult conversation, rather than just like ignoring it or telling a little white lie, just trying sort of like, Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's no big deal when it is a big deal, or it could be a big deal. Yeah, just no, no one's gonna die. It's fine. Mm. That's my little mantra. Is anyone (laughs) gonna lose a life? If this doesn't go my way. And what's something that keeps you grounded? I think that, you know, the whole sort of online space and how I am online, like I'm myself, but I'm this, you know, as everyone is, you're not seeing yourself, you're not putting yourself out there necessarily like first thing in the morning and you got goobers in your eye and you, you know, like you're putting your best face forward, your best foot forward and, and being sort of like with my profile growing online um, and in the space or like the Tarot Lori profile it's exciting and it can be very sort of heady stuff. And then 
And like, I'm getting recognized, like when I'm on walks and stuff, it's kind of weird. And like someone asked to take my picture. I was like, all right, but what, like, what are you going to do with this? Like, it was weird. But then like 30 seconds later, the dog puked on the carpet. My daughter needs a ride to whatever. There's a pile of laundry that needs to be folded. My husband's pissed off because, you know, the dog barfed, like whatever it's real life keeps me grounded (laughs) family. Yeah. And I have a final question for you. Yeah. If you were to go back in time yeah. and talk to your 20 year old self, oh. what would you want to tell her? Or if you don't want to tell her anything, that's okay too. But I just want you to visualize that you're sitting at the table with her. Yeah. What you would I would do. tell her it's going to be okay. So just go for it and don't wait so long to step into who you are. Like you knew who you were long before you like planted your freak flag to let it fly you know? So just just do it. It's going to be fine. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Do you want me to pull some cards? I want to pull a card for you. Yeah. 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 Come on, let's do it. That's the (laughs) knock. I always knock uh, on the deck to just sort of, it's like a little palette cleanser. The last reading I did. Okay. I'm going to stare at you awkwardly for a second. Okay. okay? Get your mojo in the cards. That's where we fall in love. Okay. And then I'm going to cut the deck. And then I'm just going to ask, the deck. This is what we do when I'm doing like special events or corporate things, stuff like that. When we don't have time for a whole reading is I'm just going to, I always have to close my eyes. I'm just going to ask, what does Sophia need to know right now? Okay. Mm-hmm. What does Sophia need to know right now? Okay. This is a perfect card. See this guy. So I'll explain it because it is a podcast. Uh, this guy mm-hmm. sitting under a tree, bunch of, tr- bunch of golden cups before him. And these cups, cups represent love and abundance and all these great things. And the look on his face, he's kind of like, whatever with the cups, I'm worried about this. I have a deadline. I have to do that. And this card is reminding you to be more grounded and present and in the moment and to not be marinating in the past no focusing on regrets. Don't be living in the future thinking about stuff that hasn't happened yet because that's anxiety. You know, be more in the now and avoid grass is greener thinking or the if then thinking like if only this would happen, then I can whatever. When that happens, then I'll be able to blah, blah, blah. because you don't want to be five years later, just like twiddling your thumbs. If only one day, if only one day, just kind of like daydreaming your life away. This is one of um, two cards in the deck out of 78 cards that I refer to as a cranky grandpa card because it's like this old man voice in my head going, kid, get up, stop daydreaming, stop pissing around, get to work. So you're getting a little kick in the butt to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like it. It's go. a really good card. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you just like give yourself a little life coaching session <laughs> in 20 seconds. I love that. <laughs> and so awesome. And where, where can we find you online? Yeah. So mainly Instagram is where I'm most active at tarot.lori. And my website is tarolori.com, T-A-R-O-T-L-O-R-I. And that's where you can find all information about me, about like the full moon things or online parties, in-person parties, readings, one-on-one, whatever, all that stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes, please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.